Good morning, everyone. Good morning to those inside. Good morning to my friends who are in the good friends section outside, sitting, all those watching live stream. Friends, our first reading uh, describes the ascension of Jesus into heaven and about his promise. He made, he made many promises, and one of them was that he would send the Holy Spirit upon his apostles and disciples uh, into the world, and indeed he did. And in our second reading, Paul describes the meaning of the ascension, that God raised Jesus above all things and made him head of the church. This is his church. It belongs to him, and he is the leader. And um, he became the Lord of all creation. And also Paul tells about how uh, we disciples are, should be acting and the mentality and the demeanor we should have, peace and love and joy and kindness, and charity. And so my friends, uh, in our gospel, we heard uh, that Jesus ascended to the heavens. And when we look at the other gospels, uh, Luke and Matthew, uh, uh, Jesus uh, does so from a mountain, Mount Olivet, actually. And uh, in all of the gospels in the New Testament, Jesus is often uh, atop of a mountain. And uh, we recall Moses. Remember, Moses was on top of a mountain when he uh, met with God and spoke with him. The transfiguration of Jesus happened on top of the mountain. And uh, on top of the mountain, um, some have said that they feel closer to God and feel his presence. Sometimes people will go mountain climbing, the Mount Rainier, and they'll come back, Father, Father, I was on top of the mountain. It just felt like God was right there with me. I'm like, yeah, that's because he's everywhere. Yeah, no, 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 but I felt closer to him. And then they said, and then I could see. I could really see. They didn't mean God. They meant, I could see everything. And such it is. Certainly from the top of a mountain, one can see the bigger picture. So when the time came for Jesus to leave this world, um, he took his apostles on top of that mountain. And Jesus was re going to return to his Father. He was going to return to the glory that belonged to him from the beginning of time that he shares with his Father and the Spirit. And Jesus ascended, um, and as he did, he directed his apostles' hearts and minds, and we're told uh, they were looking and watching. And Jesus also, he reminded them just in that conversation, there's a larger conversation that happens as they're going to the mountain, and he directs their attention outward also. And what he did was he told them that his mission must continue through them and that the world was waiting to hear about the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. Not the bad news, not the mediocre news, the good news of Jesus Christ. And Jesus gave them, his friends, his closest friends, the sacred task of bringing the gospel, his ways, his words, everything he promised to them. And he said, the Spirit will come and the Spirit will help you in this time. And my friends, according to the reading, the apostles apparently liked it so much up on the mountain that they wanted to stay because they were staring up at the sky. And remember, it said two men in white. Do you remember that? You, remember, you know who they are, don't you? It's the two that were at the tomb. So they're angels. And they're telling him, why are you just staring up at the sky? Go on, get going, get going. He'll come back, but for now you need to go, 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 go. You got something to do. Let's get it done. 
And they will, of course. And uh, even though they had to go back down to the world, um, their lives would be changed forever. They were not going to be the same anymore. And so it is when we encounter Jesus, truly, and bring him into our heart. We are transformed and we are changed permanently. The solemnity of the ascension is rightly about Jesus Christ and all that he did. And the theological meaning is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, returns to the Father in all his glory. But the celebration of the ascension um, shows us the bigger things that are going on also. And it shows us where the goal of our earthly journey lies, that uh, it is a goal and destiny that defies often our senses and even our imaginations. It gives an eternal dimension to our lives because where Jesus goes, we will ultimately go also in our time. We will have to return to the Father. This is a sojourning down here, but well, we're just not hanging out looking at the sky. we got things to do. Jesus returns to the Father, and it is not a journey into outer space. It is a journey home into what I call the very heart of the Father. And uh, his ascension uh, does not represent his removal from the world, uh, but, from, uh, but rather what's going to happen is through the power of the Holy Spirit, he will be present everywhere and in all time. So the ascension of Jesus, um, I hope you guys can follow me on this, the Father created everything, the universe, everything, not this world, but everything. And the Father did it according to his own mathematical and scientific principles. So when the science people tell me, well, the earth was made and blah, blah, I'm like, yes, and God, my Father in heaven, did it. And they put forth all the rules that go with it. So when Jesus, who is the Son of God, comes to earth, he walks on the earth. He didn't fly because that were not the principles of the time. He could have, but he obeyed his Father. So what I'm saying is when Jesus was in Jerusalem, he was in Jerusalem. And then when he walked down to the water, he was at the water. And when he walked up to the mountain, he walked up to the mountain. Now Jesus, when he, uh, after his resurrection from the dead, he has this liberation from those principles. He's able to be everywhere and anywhere at the same time and in all time. Kaboom. <laughs> We're just like, oh, I don't know how that works. That's right, you don't. But it'll be revealed to us eventually in time. So we see that um, he's not really removed, but by the power of the Spirit, uh, he's now able to be everywhere and anywhere and and such it is then with God. And um, this reality helps um, the apostles um, and helps our church. And uh, each of the, the, apostles, uh, the apostles, the disciples, we all need the grace of, and the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. Uh, we can't really do it on our own. And what are we doing? We're bringing the good news of the gospel uh, to the entire world. And today, Jesus' mission depends upon us. This is the way he wanted it. This is the way he went about doing it. That's why he chose the apostles and made the disciples. And uh, our second reading tells us there is a particular order. Yes, we get that. Father Mark's a priest and a pastor, and uh, there are different... Uh, we all, the disciples, have their role to fulfill. And uh, nevertheless, uh, 
all of us, at the very least, are called to preach the gospel. Now, I'm going to use St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. <laughs> oh, how do we go about doing that, St. Francis? Because he would say that, live your life so that people can see and experience Christ through you. And that's what he meant by that. And um, so what he's saying is, you must live an authentic life of a disciple, of a Christian. And we do this when we witness to the truth. And we do this when we witness to peace and to love. Not just any, his truth, his peace, his type of love. And the way we witness to the truth is to live truthfully with people. And uh, the way we witness to justice is to act justly in everything we do and say with everyone. And uh, we witness to peace by trying to live in peace with others. And as I say that, I ask all of you to continue to pray for peace in the Middle East in this time. Peace between Israel and the Palestinian uh, country, that they have peace there. My friends, the most effective way to witness to Jesus Christ is to live an authentic Christian life all the time with the gifts and graces of the Holy Spirit that each have been given. And you have been given this, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do this. You just have to cooperate. And if it gets really, really confusing, what am I supposed to do? Speak of Jesus, about Him and His love. Now, sometimes uh, Roman Catholics get all confused when someone comes up, what do you believe? You're a Roman Catholic, what do you believe? And their eyes get really big. And they, and they freeze. So here's what you do. Don't freeze. Take a breath and use the creed. We're going to pray the Nicene Creed today. When someone says, all right, you, what do you believe? You're a Roman Catholic. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And it, see, you can just... That's the foundation, the basic. If they say, well, I want to I know what you, what you guys teach about marriage, go see Father Mark at St. Nicholas. You can go see Father Mark. But here's what you want to know what we believe, and here it is. So we do that, and by the power of the Spirit, this happens. And you've been given that Spirit. And the Spirit's been really, really, really busy from the beginning of time. The Holy Spirit. Remember in Genesis, and God's Spirit went over the face of the land, and so the Holy Spirit, remember, what, do you guys remember the simple things about the Trinity? Father the Creator, Son the Redeemer, Holy Spirit the Sanctifier. So the Holy Spirit has been very active from the beginning, and the Holy Spirit is still, to understand, uh, we can look at the Mass to see how does the Holy Spirit operate still, if you will. I mean, I know that's probably not the best way to understand it. Today, Father Mark's going to use what we call the Second Eucharistic Prayer. It's one of the eldest prayers of our church. It came, um, it was written in about 215 A.D. And um, it helps us to, it puts forth how the Holy Spirit operates. Um, and uh, in the preface, you'll hear the priest say, uh, I give praise to you, Father, because you are holy. And it will go on to say, and because uh, of your Son who is incarnate of the Holy Spirit. So we see the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit brings the Son of God from the heavens and puts him into our tangible world in a body. And um, from the moment of the incarnation was 
the beginning of the salvific work of the Son, Jesus. And this was the Holy Spirit operating. Next, the priest holds his hands and he takes the bread and wine and he says, make holy. Father Mark doesn't do this. Father Mark has no power to do that. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. I cooperate. I do my best to cooperate always with the Holy Spirit. And uh, he says, make holy therefore these gifts by sending down your spirit upon these gifts of bread and wine like dewfall so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, Jesus said, I will be with you for all time, and he has dozens in different ways, but it is our understanding that through the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, which renews for us the very sacrifice in a unique way of our redemption, is the work of the Spirit. And after the memorial offering, the priest says to the Father, Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into the one by the Holy Spirit to be unified. And we're still working on that. We're still working on that unity part. The unity of the church through the most holy Eucharist, the work then of the Holy Spirit, always present. And these invocations of the Holy Spirit are called the epiclesis, if you watch Father Mark's hands, you'll see when the epiclesis is going to happen because I'll do this motion and ask the Holy Spirit to come down. And people think, is the Holy Spirit just coming in a little teeny drop onto the altar? No, that's not how the Holy Spirit, wait till next week when you hear about the Holy Spirit. Whoosh, everywhere. So when Father Mark, he's asking the Holy Spirit to do, in Jesus' name, something on the altar, but do you think the, the Holy Spirit's going to go whoosh to all of you? Because through that body and blood of Jesus Christ, you're going to be transformed. So the Holy Spirit's really busy, really busy. So my friends, uh, we look and we share in this sacrament of the church. And uh, so let us never be in doubt about such things. And when Jesus spoke about it, people had our time. But in our time, uh, we shouldn't, but we do. But my friends, then as we, as we commemorate this ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, as the scriptures tell us, it is a time to rejoice, to rejoice always. We are always to live always and in all things with Christian hope in our hearts and with the expectation of the words of Jesus Christ directed to his believers. He said, where I am, you too will be. And we give glory to that. Amen.